Baptist Church, Charlotte. Praise God, because I know y'all do not want to be in here for three hours. Praise God. Hallelujah. When I practiced, it was like five hours, you know. I just started going down the list. I started preaching against everything. Praise God. From sweating too hard to make you play basketball on Sunday nights to all kinds of different things. So, um, amen. I'm going to try to keep it short and sweet. But first and foremost, I do want to let you know that my name is Cameron Johnson. I am the uh, youth pastor here to the greatest youth group in the world. Hallelujah. Some of them are out here, so uh, we practice the chant. Hopefully, they get it right. So let's try it out. Charlotte, there we go. All right, praise God. Amen. So um, I do honor each and every one of you all, uh, this church family. I do praise and thank God for you, my family and friends that are here, that are watching. Um, I love you all, and thank you so much for pouring into me um, when I first started coming here in uh, in my life in general. I give honor to this awesome music team. Thank you so much for leading us into the presence of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Double honor to our pastor and our bishop in their absence. Amen. And to their companions, to Sister Charlotte, to Mother Elms, and to all the pastoral team here. We are beneficiaries of their love and support and what they've done here in this city. Amen. In our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. And I'm extremely honored to stand in his behalf. Uh, you know, he's under the weather today. And... Um, he told me on Friday afternoon, he was really trying to be here, of course, and he told me on Friday afternoon to preach. And I said, okay, yeah, you know, I'm gonna preach at C3. I've been doing it already, you know, I got it. But then he said, no, FCC at 11. And I said, who? You know, Cam? <laughs> you know, so um, I thank and praise God uh, for him and his love and his honor. Um, I texted him after I said, uh, you know, I think I'm coming down with a cough, you know. <laughs> and he said, well, you better walk it off because uh, it's you. So <laughs> praise God. So I walked it off, praise God, and I'm here. And uh, if we can, let's all stand and why don't we pray for them and uh, ask the Lord to uh, add the blessing to them and their families and strengthen them. And Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the man of God, the angel of this house, God, and our overseer. We ask you, Jesus, that you would touch him right now, God, in their bodies, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Strengthen them, I pray, Lord God, to be able to come back, oh God, to bring to us the word, oh God. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us pastors after your own heart, God. Bless them and keep them. Bless them and keep them, we pray. It's in Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Please remain standing, remain standing, remain standing, please. So our guests and visitors, we thank you so much for taking a chance on us and coming to worship with us. Um, please, there are suites outside, so if you don't get it, I will. So uh, make sure you get that in Jesus' name. And don't forget that we have all nations. We're so honored to have 30-plus nations represented in this congregation alone. Praise God. So please come out. Come out next week. Amen. And please come back to hear our pastor, because right now you're getting the McChicken from the drive-thru, all right? I promise you. I'm going to do my best. You know, I'm going to put some mayonnaise on it, some lettuce. Maybe I'll make it good. I'll do my best. Praise God. But he really is Ruth Chris, Ruth Chris Filet Mignon. So please come back to see him. Amen. Praise the Lord. So um, while we're standing, if we can go to uh, the uh, book of First Psalms, um, excuse me, First Samuel. Yes, how nervous I am. Praise God. First Samuel, chapter 21, verse 10 through 15. Amen. And it reads, Then David arose and fled that day from before Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another in dances, saying, Saul is slain his thousands and David is ten thousands? Now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before him. 
pretended madness in their hands, scratched on the doors of the gate and let his saliva fall down on his beard. Then Akish said to his servants, look, you see the man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Have I need of madmen that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? And for a few moments today, I want to preach to you from the subject, learning to lean, learning to lean. If you're going to help me preach, I need you to shout in Jesus name. Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. <laughs> this passage is a strange one because we see the sweet singer of Israel, the giant killer, the man who would be king of Israel acting like a madman. Here is a man who has thrown all of his self-respect to the wind. Here is a man who appears to have hit rock bottom. What brought David to this point in his life? I think this is an answer worth finding. And the answer is this. Each and every one of us, under the sound of my voice today, is going to be affected by this message and what will come of it. And that is that each of us lean on ourselves or someone or something to get us through this life. We all have a well-developed support system in place. And we depend on people and the things in our lives to help us make it through day by day. In fact, if we're being honest, we are guilty of leaning on our support system more heavily and more often than we lean upon the Lord. That's true. But God did not save us so we could rest ourselves in other people, yeah. in other things, or in ourselves. Yeah. God saved us to walk in absolute and utter dependence upon him. And when he sees his children leaning on everyone and everything but him, we can count on him teaching us the lessons we need so that we might learn to lean on him alone. We will see this principle at work in David's life, and I want to spend some time in several chapters of the Bible today to show you how David was taught to lean solely upon the Lord. So up to this point in 1 Samuel 21, David has done everything right in his life. He has been the absolute model of faith, courage, obedience, integrity, and devotion to God and to his king. But he's still a very young man who's living a long way from home and from his family. David needed, needed someone and something st st stable, excuse me, in his life. So God in his grace placed some things and people in David's life to be a support system for him. Amen. And so some things that God gave, which will all be based out of 1 Samuel 18, you don't have to turn there, but the first of them is support of position. David, the humble shepherd boy, shepherd boy, had been promoted to a captain over a thousand in Saul's, Saul's army. He was also the chief musician in Saul's court. His work gave him stability in his life, and he needed to lean upon that. Of course, David probably saw these advancements as part of the stepping stones to being the king of Israel. So the first thing he leaned upon was the support of his position. The second thing he leaned upon was the support of popularity. The people of Israel loved David and respected him for what he had done and how he conducted himself before them. David leaned on the support of the people. No doubt, the praise of people was just another assurance that one day he'd be their king. So the second thing he leaned upon was popularity. The third thing was the support of people. God placed some special people in David's life and during difficult times. The first was his partner, Michael. David was given a wife who genuinely loved him. 
No doubt David drew great strength from leaning on the support of Michael, his spouse. Next was the Prince Jonathan, Saul's son. Jonathan proved to be a faithful friend to young David. He was David's eyes and ears in the throne room. And Jonathan even placed his friendship to David higher than his allegiance to his own father, the king. David often leaned on the support and the friendship of Jonathan. We thank God for the Jonathans in our life. The prophet Samuel was a third person. The old prophet was also a support in the life of David. Samuel taught David about sacrifice, service, and worship. And he was a significant support to David during his early years. So he leaned on his position, his popularity, people, and he leaned on pride. David took pride in the life he lived, and he knew how to carry himself before God and others. He probably placed a great deal of emphasis on doing the right thing. He had self-respect, self-control, and self-discipline. His pride was a crucial part of his support system, and there's nothing wrong with good pride. But we ought to stop and thank the Lord for the support system he has placed in each and every one of our lives. Yeah. Just stop to think, where would you be without the love of a spouse and the support of your spouse? Where would you be without the encouragement of your friends or without the fellowship and encouragement of your church? Where would you be without the guidance and direction of the word of God and the man of God? Where would you be without the benefit of all these safety nets God has placed in our lives? Thank God for the supports, the props, the crutches, or whatever you want to call them that God has placed in our lives to help us make it. God has been gracious to each and every one of you when he has supplied you with an adequate support network in your life. Amen. Amen. But later on we see that this support system begins to dismantle. David's support system was in place, but it was not going to last very long. God allowed a series of events to take place in David's life that destroyed and removed every single prop he had in his support system. One day, David's on top of the world, and the next, he's at the bottom. David became a man hunted by his enemies, haunted by death, and hounded by destruction. Matter of fact, in one place when he talked to Jonathan, he told him that between... You and I is literally life and death, or I am between life and death. There's no, there's no space in between that. Hallelujah. So you see God begin the process of systematically dismantling every piece of David's support system. David loses his position in the next chapter, 1 Samuel 19. The captain of Israel's army, the greatest battlefield hero in the nation's history, has become a fugitive from justice as he's on the run for his life from his commander-in-chief, King Saul. Another prophet is then taken away. He loses his popularity. As one removed from the public eye, David was soon relegated to memory. People probably assumed that David would be successful in his attempts. I mean, excuse me, that Saul would be successful in his attempts to take David's life. Then another prop is removed. He loses the people. Every person upon whom David leaned on in his life was taken away. Michael's removed. Michael tells uh, David of Saul's plot and helps him escape, then lies to her father and says that I had to let him leave unless he would have killed me too. She deliberately walks away from David and their relationship will never be the same again. Then another support system is taken away. Jonathan is removed. Jonathan's gone as far as he can to protect David. And in the end, Jonathan must send David away for his own safety. There's a tearful parting and these two close friends and they are of these two close, close friends and they meet no more as friends in life ever again. And then as though it couldn't get worse, another 
support is taken away. Samuel is removed. The man of God is removed. David went to his old friend and mentor, the prophet, but eventually David had to flee from the presence of Samuel because of the relentless pursuit of King Saul. And then David loses his pride, which is where we are in 1 Samuel 21. Here David reaches the bottom. Here the last support in the system is torn away and David reaches the lowest point in his life. He goes into the palace of King Achish, the king of the Philistines, to see if this king would give him sanctuary. Imagine that the champion of armies Israel, of, of the armies of Israel, has now gone to the palace of the enemy to try to find safety. But the Philistines have not forgotten that it is David who destroyed their champion Goliath. David is filled with fear that the Philistines will retaliate. And so what he does is he pretends to be a raving lunatic, almost like a dog. All that he might be able to escape from these people, the enemy. Yeah. Here he is, the mighty man who killed the great giant Goliath. And he is scratching on the gates and drooling his beard. Drooling on his beard like a madman. Oh, how the mighty are fallen. The last crutch, the last prop in David's support system has been systematically dismantled by the Lord. And David has reached the bottom. He has nothing left. Yeah. Every dream, every lofty goal, every hope had been dashed to bits at David's feet. He has nothing and no one on whom he can lean. He is alone. He is afraid and alienated. God has brought David from the very top to the very bottom. But the question is why? Why did God do this to David? Why did God so afflict the man that is after God's own heart? God did this to David so that David would learn to lean on the Lord and not on all the other props he had constructed in his life. To teach David the great truth that God's people should lean only upon the Lord. God systematically removed one support after another from under David until he had been taught to lean wholly upon Jesus. How we need to hear this truth today. Yes. All the way through life, we lean on one thing and one person after another. Yes. Later, we trust first to look to our parents when we're young. Yes. Later, we lean on teachers, schooling, and friends. Then our prop becomes a job or a pile of money we stash somewhere. We lean on this crutch and on that prop, and we forget a couple of very important truths. The first one is that your support system that you have built can take the place of God in your life. Look at what you're depending on this afternoon. Do you ever find yourself trusting people, things, and self more than you trust God? The second truth is that our support system can sometimes prevent us from looking up from where our help comes from. Our focus should never be horizontal. It should always be vertical. Nothing cripples our walk of faith any more than all the earthly human crutches upon which we lean on. These crutches cause us to look at what we can do for ourselves or what others can do for us. But in the end, all these props will fail. Our gaze should be and must be cast heavenward. When we lean on the unfailing prop of God himself, we can be sure that he will always come through. Hallelujah. So our support system can take the place of God. Our support system can prevent us from looking heavenward toward God. And our support system is temporary at its best. Every plank in my support system can and will fail. Yes. 
but I'm glad to know that the one I can lean on, he will never fail. Hallelujah. It's not easy to take, but the truth is, when the Lord finds us leaning on other things and other people other than God, other than him, we, he will begin a painful process of dismantling our, our support system, one prop at a time. He does not do this to harm us, but to help us to learn to lean on him. Hallelujah. So then we get to a point in the Bible where we find out if David really truly took this to heart, and we believe he did. As the metal of David's life was tempered in the furnace of affliction, shaped upon the anvil of providence, David learned to lean completely on the Lord. And he writes about this in Psalm 34. And if you'll notice the title of the Psalm, it shows us when it was written. It came about after all the props had been removed from David's life. It shows us that David's focus had been turned toward God and heaven. And notice how David learned to lean on the right one. So if we move to Psalm 34, it says first in the first verse, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. And then he says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So lesson one on learning how to lean upon the Lord is to learn how to praise. The focus of David's praise has been shifted higher than position, popularity, people, and pride. David has turned to lean on the praises of God. Psalm 86.10 says, For thou art, speaking of God, doest, for thou art great, excuse me, and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. Your mama's not God. Your daddy's not God. Your job, your position, those things are not your God. Your problems, your marriage, your kids. But he is God alone. Hallelujah. For those of you who may be battling depression, anxiety, fear, all these kinds of things, this isn't punishment from God, but it's a part of the dismantling process. You may not know this, but maybe you've put some things above God, and God is too great to be below anything. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you can't keep a good God down. Hallelujah. So he begins to dismantle some stuff, but don't be upset. Just get yourself back in line and get back to praising. Hallelujah. The Bible calls these things heaviness. And the, and the prophet Isaiah said the answer to this is to put on the oil of joy for mourning. It's like when you get up and you put lotion. I hope you put lotion on when you get up. Praise God for your ashy ankles and your ashy arms. Praise the Lord. And he said to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You've got to put it on. It's a choice that you make. When we sing up here, you've got to say, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praises shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof by God and they'll be glad. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. And then he didn't stop there. He said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. You need to come to church and grab a hold of somebody and say, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Hallelujah. Praise God. And let us exalt his name together. Hallelujah. So the first lesson he learned was I've got to learn to praise. Hallelujah. And lesson number two we find in verses four through seven. He said, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out 
and the Lord heard him. Hallelujah. And saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. The second thing that David learned was that I must lean on the protection of God. Instead of running to Jonathan, Michael, or Samuel to try to find protection, David has learned a lesson that I must lean on God and God alone, for he is the one who protects his people. Isaiah 54 and 17 says, no weapon that is formed against, I thought I had somebody in here who believed that no weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue that shall arise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. Hallelujah. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and the righteousness is of me saith the Lord. He is the lawyer in the courtroom. He's your doctor in the sick room. He is your advocate. Don't you let hell tell you I must not believe God. He's not going to forgive me of my sins. Hallelujah. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Come on somebody do you believe it tonight? Hallelujah. Praise God. When my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will take me up, David said. What then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can, come on, you know it, who can be against us? Hallelujah. If God is for me, who can be against me? If God is for me, who can be against me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the second thing David learned was that I must, hallelujah, depend on the Lord's protection. Number three, lesson number three. We're in class here. Class is in session. Praise God. Amen. Talk back to the teacher. If you talk back, I'll get, out, I'll get you out early. The bell don't dismiss you. I do. How about that? Hallelujah. Praise God. I finally got to be able to say that. You know, I just feel like I've, I've accomplished something in my life. Praise the Lord. All right. So the third lesson was he leaned on the Lord's provision. Yeah. Verses 8 through 10 tell us, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Yes. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. David realizes that I don't need the kindness of others or the bread from the tabernacle. He's learned that I can lean on the open hand of his heavenly father from the, for the provisions of my life. Another point in David's life, he declares and writes, I have been young, Psalm 37 and 25, and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen. Come on. And, the, and I've never seen, hallelujah, his seed begging for bread. Hallelujah to God. God is with me. God is for me. Hallelujah. Everything I need, I, God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory found in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. That's a promise that we can hold on to. Amen. Hallelujah. So lesson number three, lesson number three is that he learned to lean on the Lord's provision. Hallelujah. All right. So the next lesson is that he learned to lean on the Lord's promises. Verse 11 through 17 says, come you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his eyes are, upon, are open to them to their cries. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. Hallelujah. David in his life 
learned that the promises of men do not amount to much. He has also learned that those who learn to lean on the hand of the Lord will see every promise of God fulfilled in their lives. And there's a promise that each and every one of us can lean on, and that is found in Psalm 119.89. He says, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Hallelujah. Paul said in, in another place that every promise of God is yes and amen. And one thing I love is that before that, he says that the guarantee of every promise is the Holy Ghost dwelling on each and every one of us. I want you to know that if you've got the gift of the, if you have the Holy Ghost, the gift of the Holy Ghost, that's the guarantee of every promise. If you walk into your job filled with the Holy Ghost, there is no telling what God can do and how God can promote you. If you walk into your school full of the Holy Ghost, there's no telling how much you're going to be able to succeed in your grades and your GPA. If you walk into your common app, come on, so you, you're going to college. If you go into that application with the Holy Ghost, there's no telling how many colleges will want you and give you a scholarship. If you walk in with the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, hallelujah, learn to lean on the promises of God that I will never leave you nor forsake you. You need to start telling the devil, it is written. How did Jesus overcome temptation? It is written. You need to start learning this word and telling him it is written that I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the lender, not the borrower. I'm blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed when I come, blessed when I go. Come on, somebody. David learned to lean on the Lord's promises. Hallelujah. Lesson, lesson number five is that he learned to lean on the Lord's presence, yes. on his presence. Praise God. Verse 18 says, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. The other props in David's life failed just when he needed them the most. He has learned that those who lean on the Lord are never without a faithful friend. In Proverbs 18, 24, his son declared, David's son declared, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Can I tell you that there is not a friend like the lowly Jesus? No, not one. That's my mama's favorite song. No, not one. None else can heal all our soul's diseases. No, not one. No, not one. Jesus knows all about my struggles. He will guide us. He will guide you until your day is done. You can count on the presence of God. And I love that he said that he comes to those who are of a broken and a contrite heart. I want you to know that he is not just going to be there when it's good times, but he's there in my brokenness. He's there in my most, when I'm most fearful. He was there with David when he chose to be a madman instead of promise, instead of to believe in the promises of God that he was going to be with him against Abimelech, against the king Akish. I want you to know that God is with you even in your stupid moments. Come on. He's with you in those moments, in those times where you know you should have trusted God and you didn't. Yeah. And then the result led to a broken and a contrite heart. But I want you to know that he's closest as he's ever been to you when you're on the mountain and when you're in the valley. Praise God. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. So the last lesson that he learns is that he learned to lean on the Lord's provision. God. If the musicians could come, please. Praise God. Verses 19 through 22 says... Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of all their troubles. He guards all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those 
who trusts in him shall be condemned. In the end, not a single crutch that David leaned on so heavily was able to secure or protect him. He learned the priceless eternal truth of God, and that is God and God alone preserves his people. Psalm 61 and 2 says, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, when I am of a broken and a contrite heart, when I am battling depression and fear and anxiety, when I feel that I am at my lowest, he said, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For thou has been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the end. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I want you to know that at times God lets you hit rock bottom to find out he is the rock at the bottom. You'll realize that I've been standing on the rock this whole entire time. I've been falling on the rock and that rock, amen, Paul said, is Christ. Hallelujah. If we could all stand, please. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And as we're here, if we're honest, at least if I can be honest, at one point of my life or another, I've been found guilty of leaning on people and things other than God. Anybody other than me can, can be honest and truthful. But, I've, but I have also found out that when I learn to lean on other things in my life, God will systematically and painfully remove Remove every crutch that I have. And he will bring me to a place where I'm leaning on him and on him alone. And that's exactly where he plans to bring each and every one of us. Now, when God begins to dismantle our support system, it can get quite painful, but we should not fear what the Lord is doing in our lives. He is merely growing us and teaching us that he is all we need. He is all sufficient. He is more than enough. He is God Almighty, and he will never fail you, leave you, or let you down. When Paul was afflicted with a thorn in his flesh, he prayed three times to remove the thorn. And he said that Jesus spoke to him and said, my grace is sufficient for you. In your weakness is where you are made strong. Don't think that it's punishment from God, but God is trying to, in his own way, make you strong. Make you stronger than your family ever can. Make you stronger than your spouse ever can. Make you stronger than your job ever can, than any support system in your life that you have ever can. And we thank God for our support systems, but we must put our trust solely and wholly in Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. He wants us to learn this truth that when we have him, we have all the support that we need. And there is a a song that, um, two songs that I've uh, found, but one of them says, sad and brokenhearted at an altar I've knelt. I found a peace so serene. All that he asks is for childlike trust in a heart that is learning to lean. Learning to lean, learning to lean. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. Finding more power than I've ever dreamed. I'm learning to lean. And another song says, so I thank God for the mountains. Sister Charlie, if you want to help me out, please do. You know I can't sing. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast 
and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us. Thank you.